Welcome to the second episode of Your Time on the Run, the Hunted Podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Holmstone, and joining me, as always, is my fellow Brit who would never find an upper Rams bottom, Anthony Williams. Good evening. And rejoining us for the first time since we pranked her in April is the lady whose F-words I always have to bleep, Michelle Pistenemann. Oh. <laughs> as if. <laughs> oh, she swears like a sailor. I have to just edit around everything she says. <laughs> <laughs> it must be so terrible, Michael. It is. It's the worst having to having to deal with your <laughs> your terrible vocabulary, Michelle. Oh, dearie me! <laughs> and welcome back to to your time on the run for the first time since well, first time we've recorded a podcast since March. And... I know, and I'm 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 quite quite disappointed that um, Blex listened last week and I wasn't even on it. Oh, he'll listen this week. Don't worry, we're going to go baubles deep in uh, in the Blex impressions again. <laughs> well, that's up to Anthony, isn't it? You can't do them, can you, Michael? No, that's kind of the point. That's what annoys him. And it, oh. it's also your first time actually speaking to us since we pulled one over on you on the Hunted podcast for American Hunted. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. Just to catch any new listeners up, Anthony and I did BBC One Quiz Show, The Code, last year. Filmed it in January, the day that Hunted US was premiering. It aired on April the 4th, about a month after we finished recording the Hunted US podcast. So we decided to reveal it live to Michelle and turn her reaction into a GIF. Yeah, and hasn't that um, GIF been uh, prolific? The GIF also. that keeps on giving is the way oh, I describe it. It makes many appearances in the Amazing Race fans. It makes many appearances in the Amazing Race fans group. It makes many appearances in the Reality TV Warriors Facebook chat. And it makes many appearances in my work group chat on WhatsApp. Oh, look, why aren't I receiving royalties for this, hey? (laughs) The same reason that I'm not receiving royalties for editing two feckin' podcasts for you this weekend. (laughs) You know what? You love it, Michael. You would do ten if you had to. Regretting my life choices, as I said on Twitter earlier. (laughs) What else are you going to do on this wonderful Friday evening of yours? Very, very true. And what have you been up to? I mean, you've you've been on Australian Survivor since we last spoke. (laughs) (laughs) Winning a holding Commodore or whatever it was. Oh, my God, yes. It's, It's funny because a lot of people on my Australian Survivor fan page at the beginning wondered if if I was the, the same Michelle. It was just ridiculous. I just don't look like her. But anyway. Well, let's look at the facts. Last time we podcasted about Hunted, we were pestering you to do, um, do Australian Survivor, and weirdly you were pestering us to do Hunted and other shows together. Look how that turned mm. out for you, Michelle. <laughs> and then when the Australian Survivor cast came out, we found out there was a lady called Michelle from Sydney who looks a lot like you. Who's who a bit of a princess. Children. Who works with hey, children. She's a princess. <laughs> I mean, the jokes just wrote themselves. Yeah, but then we read the bios and it said devoted mother. she she doesn't even have kids I know (laughs) and just like the Michelle who appeared on Australian Survivor you also hate your children oh dear god is it today I have something to tell yeah I've got something to say oh god about kids (laughs) we better get into it then 
So previously, nine ordinary citizens went on the run from professional law enforcement operatives to win a share of £100,000. The chase began in St. Peter's Square in Manchester, and hunters used their helicopter to pursue Deputy Lord Mayor of Sheffield Majid around the streets of central Manchester. College lecturer Carleen's coach was chased by uh, new hunters Zoe and Lucy, but it was Toddington and Julie who were dispatched for the capture, and her time on the run ended on day one. Bob and Alex rang home and ended up with Paul and Michelle on their tail, and the previous episode ended with a drone with heat-seeking technology being dispatched over the Peak Districts in pursuit. Dun, dun, dun. And just like we predicted, they didn't get caught. No. Because, in fact, they mistook them for deer. Oh, dear. <laughs> yeah, in, in a disappointing kind of scene, it... it this season, it feels like we're going to see more and more crazy edits than we've ever seen before, because I don't think they were even anywhere near them at all at any point on that one. But wasn't mm. the photo... I mean, the, uh, didn't you see her running up the hill towards them? That was creative editing. Uh, yeah, I think so. I, I think they saw something, assumed it was them, and they kept it in. I don't think they were do a I way, thought they were in the off. same shot. I was so confused afterwards because i thought they were in the same shot together i don't think so i didn't have time to rewind no it's a very clever cut the first of many i think in this episode yeah i much enjoyed this episode compared to last week last week i was a bit lukewarm on Mm -hmm. but this week was fun i was sat there last night just going this is classic hunted because i'm arguing with morons on twitter about whether hunted's rigged or not and this is actually interesting Absolutely. It was a very entertaining show, but that always will generate, oh, this must be a fix then, because it was some very, very creative editing this week. It was, and I ended up pitching to people involved in production of Hunted, including friend of the show, now Blex. I'm hoping I can make him a friend of the show by the end of the series, to try and get someone to just explain the rules to these people, because there's a video of Kevin O'Leary, Gold Command, guy who created the show, explaining the rules of hunted on the website yeah i think i think what people forget is you can have a fair game and you can still take some shots for the show and film things that don't necessarily have to be done at the time yeah first and foremost Mm. it is a tv product but also they do have to have rules in place they can't bend the rules because that is against laws on game shows and all that sort of stuff they have to have someone in place to sort of deal with disputes yeah but equally you can also say yeah we just need to get a shot of you taking the money out of the bank so just bear with us a second while we put the camera in place that's also fair yeah exactly and and michael every time someone says something do you just put the link underneath explaining the rules i feel like i need to occasionally but i do just explain it in plain english for most people (laughs) i did a lot of tweeting last night just going it's not fake it's not rigged they have to have these things in place. Yeah. People. Yeah, I just sort of want to stick my finger in their eyes and just go, listen! <laughs> <laughs> but to be fair to them, the, the production have, haven't made that any better by some of the um, some of the way they edited it, especially this week. There's some scenes that clearly aren't as they appear. No, I was having this discussion uh, with a guy at work who watches Hunted, who was like, they can't break into someone's house. Yeah. The answer is yes, yes they can, because they've signed a waiver to let them do that. Yeah. Uh, so Bob and Alex do apparently see the hunters on the tail, although, you know, not in the same shot, so doubt it. And Alex ends up flagging a lift in a car full of dogs. Yeah, they've sent in the canine squad. 
The good old Jilly. And interestingly, the F word does get bleeped at the start of the episode. Yeah, maybe there's a quota because they um, they put plenty in the next time on. Maybe they can only have like 25 in an episode or something. I'm not sure because I've never heard of a a TV program being sort of subject to Ofcom rules about swearing at, after nine o'clock because that's the watershed. Yeah, it's unusual. I, I think I have seen it before though. I think I've seen them where they've bleeped it till about 9.30. I think I've seen it on something like I'm a Celebrity. It didn't surprise me. I think I've seen it somewhere. But there was plenty in the back end of the show. Yeah, because I remember when uh, Celebrity Hunted was on, it was followed by the end of the effing world. And mm. there was a big sort of hoo-ha about the continuity announcer saying the full title of the show. Okay. When previewing it. And that was after Celebrity Hunted, so that would have been about ten past ten. But everyone was like, you can't say that as a continuity announcer. That's not how it works. You have to be nice and polite and middle class. Yeah. And HQ reckoned that Bob and Alex's deception wasn't pre-planned. And in the best edit I've ever seen on Hunted, they say it was off the hoof and then cut immediately to Bob and Alex in a cow shed. (laughs) (laughs) Such a great visual gag. Yeah, but as we said last week, there was no way that was pre-planned. No. You know why? Because... Alex gave, that would have been a stellar performance, like Oscar winning. Yeah. You know, he was he was saying all that stuff, and I'm thinking, no, this is true. And then when it came on this week, I thought, no, he couldn't have faked that. It was just too genuine. Yeah. Interestingly, though, you, you know, in the little thing they put before the, um, the announcer says, nine ordinary British citizens are going on the run. The the sort of video of Nick and Danny with the, the unmarked van going past them. Mm-hmm. Mm. You could tell who that was this week. <laughs> who is it? It's Jamie. It's Jamie. Yeah, I thought you could. I thought you could tell that last week. Well, we didn't really know who they were last week that much. Oh, okay. You you could sort of work, definitely work it out this week. So we have Nick oh. and Danny doing a double take. Yeah, it was a hundred percent this week, but I, I it didn't even <sighs> register with me because I, I thought it was clear last week. But another thing that I didn't spot last week that I'm assuming was in there was the fact that. Bob says Alex is a marathon runner and he can't make it down to Aldi's. <laughs> yeah. So, hmm, wonder why they're putting that in. It'd be great if he got caught on the way to Aldi. Just have a bag for life. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Bob and Alex's mess up was only on day one, apparently. Lordy lord. Yeah, so they've, they've managed to stretch out quite a lot of content for those guys. Yeah, so basically the entirety of episode one was just day one. Yeah. Which explains why we got so much Manchester stuff last week. Yeah, and I saw on Twitter mm. earlier this week, Majid said he spent a few days in central Manchester. Oh, he did, because I can add a little bit of information on that in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we get an update on where everyone is. Joe and Dan are milkmen, and for the first time they also mentioned that they are pub singers. Yeah. I don't think they're actually pub singers, I think they're, you know, more wedding singers, but swings and roundabouts. Yeah, I think that's typical Blacks downplaying, isn't it? And they are in the Lake District and only have small backpacks. And HQ presume this will mean they need more supplies. Mm-hmm. And Sandra and Mella made over a thousand calls to different people each and have very little overlap in their friendship group. And it's like, I don't think I've done a thousand calls in the past five years. I don't think I've ever made a thousand phone calls. 
Didn't they say they had over a thousand friends? Yeah, it was a thousand people they called each. That's mm. ridiculous. How's that possible? I don't think even my mum and dad, who use phone calls a lot more than I do, make that many phone calls a year, never mind anything else. Mm. So that's ridiculous. It is, and I don't understand. Maybe they use their phones for cold calling people for things. Maybe. Well, they, they do work in marketing, so maybe marketing is actually just sitting in a flat cold calling people. They're the sort of people who I answer the phone to, they go, I hear you've been in a car accident. And my natural response is to go, yeah, it was terrible. Oh, there was so much death and destruction. <laughs> and then what do they say? Genuinely, there is a guy at my work who does that. Yeah, I, I do that when uh, when I get the ones ringing up saying, oh, we've got a, we're phoning up from your broadband supply, you've got a problem with your router. I, I can get them going for a good 15 minutes on that. When we were at our former building, which was the one that I, I mentioned with the the start being around the corner, he took a cold call when like on his mobile, and we could just hear his side in the conversation. It was like, oh, yeah, there was so much death and destruction. I mean, I'm really shaken up about it. I mean, so many dead bodies. <laughs> oh, it was the worst. <laughs> the rest of us just sat there pissing ourselves laughing. <laughs> and Sandra and Mella became friends at university, and are currently in West Yorkshire for their sins. And Majid is apparently slippery. Mm. He was last seen at the southeast corner of the Arndale Centre, which we mentioned as having a Taco Bell, where Sandra and Mel are probably frequented, let's be honest. And that was when he got in a taxi post-subway, which, to be fair, is, like, half a mile? Yeah. At most? It's yeah. really close. He's crazy. Uh, Why is he still there? This is the important piece of information, though. He asked someone on the bus, why would you get the bus in Manchester, the friggin' slow, whether it's better to hide out in Ardwick or Longsight. And that may have meant nothing to you guys, but they're two areas of Manchester. Mm-hmm. Very close to each other. They're next to each other, to be precise. And Ardwick is where I work now. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it seemed to me like he was asking this guy, like, if, if you were going to go on the run, hide anywhere, where, where would you go? And he says a place that's like five minutes down the road from where they are now. It's, it's like the whole perimeter of this guy's universe is just central Manchester. It's like, no, not Cornwall, not the north of Scotland, not rural Wales. No, Longsight. There's two main train stations in Manchester. Victoria, which is the one where the, the bombing happened, is where the arena is. So it's below the arena. And Piccadilly. And... Ardwick and Longsight are probably about 5 or 10 minutes drive from Piccadilly, maybe 10 or 15 minute walk. They are very close to the drop-off point. It's probably 20, 25 minute walk from from St. Peter's Square where they were dropped off. But I don't understand because when he asked about those two areas, I thought, oh, they must be far apart. No, they're next to each other. Why the hell then? (laughs) What does it matter? Also, here's the other bit of it. They're scummy as all hell. You don't want to go anywhere near either area. Uh, yeah, it was interesting. I, I don't know about the whole why would you stay in Manchester. I think there might be something clever about that because the one place they're not going to look is close to where they drop them off, is it? But there's just so many cameras. Well, that's true, yeah. yeah. I like the idea of not moving far because you're not going to get picked up, but yeah, in a, in a city centre, it's a bit tricky. Also... I'm right in thinking they have to move at least... Is it a mile every 48 hours? 
I don't think we've ever established a distance, but we do know they need to make a significant movement, don't they? Yeah, if you move a mile every 48 hours, you're going to be leaving Ardwick, basically. Even mm. if you wanted to go there. He does. He is recommended Longsight, which is a bit further out of the centre of Manchester, but not much. Not a lot. So we, we're presuming that's day one stuff as well, then, aren't we? It's got to be day one stuff, because you, the, the transport links in that area are terrible anyway. Ardwick train station has four trains a day. <laughs> Two in each direction. That's it. And is that in a in a Manchester? Yeah, it's it's a suburb of Manchester, basically. And only four trains a day. What's going on there? Ardwick train station is that smaller station that it's two trains a day, two to Piccadilly in the morning, and two from Piccadilly in the evening. That's it. It's crazy. So you just have expresses that go through Ardwick. Yeah, it's the the main train route between Manchester and London. So the, the high-speed trains that go between Manchester and London go past Ardwick as the first station. Mm. And next on to Jamie, who will be spending a lot of time with this episode, and he's experienced, and the only person that he associates with is his wife. Mm-hmm. And he left the police force a couple of years ago, and he's only on the run for the money, and basically he just gets loads and loads of backstory. Yeah, quite yes. a lot. Including the fact he had no father figure as his father was an alcoholic and he wants to be a great father to his son. And his heavily pregnant wife is also a serving police officer. Yeah. And and he's also quite well built up and we get to meet her a little bit. And she turns out she's quite good at evading the hunters. Oh, she's great. She's good. Let's be honest, as much as we personally love Jamie, I'd be shocked if he makes it past it next week. You think? Yeah, I, I obviously I think that with the cliffhanger we're left on, Sandra and Miller can't really escape from that, so they're going to get the Kirk and Jess treatment and go about five minutes into the next episode. Mm-hmm. It's whether we get a double boot next week or not. Mm, okay. I might stick my neck out on this one. I, I think Jamie's going further than that. I hope so too. I really hope so. Depends how the chronology works out, though. That's the thing. But when they when he passed that, when they passed each other... It looked like they were on one of those country roads that don't really have anywhere to turn around in. Mm. So maybe he could get away. Yeah, he's close to home. <sighs> yeah. I don't know. Got a bit of a positive vibe from Jamie this week that makes me think maybe he's going to pull something off. If if anyone's going to make an audacious move and maybe he does get to be at the birth or something like that and gets away with it, that would be a pretty cool story. Although something I've just twicked... The Jamie scene, you know where they say, where they work out that the Caesarean's book for the second? Mm-hmm. Mm. That's got to take place in the second week of the hunt. Mm-hmm. Because they left on the 14th of May. Yeah, they did. I've just tweaked that now. I meant to look that up before the podcast, but yeah, I've just tweaked that now. So that must be from at the earliest day eight. Yeah. I mean, it, it, there's no guarantee he gets that far, but we do know that that's when the baby's due. Or baby's happening. Yeah, but they said it was next week. Did they? Did they say it was next week? At one point, one of the the HQ staff said after they got the forensics and everything, the second that's next week. Oh, okay. So yeah. there's a bit of messing around with the timeline there. Yeah, so we've gone further in with Jamie than we have the others, haven't we? And so we've got at least we've got about a week ahead. Mm, okay. Yeah, maybe he does get caught then. <laughs> And uh, HQ do target uh, Leslie and their son, and she refuses to say how pregnant she is. Yeah. I'm not telling you that. you got to work it out. Yeah, she's good. 
She is poster woman for family members. This is what all family members should be like. Stone-faced, F you, I'm not helping. Yes, are you listening, Robert? (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Hunter Julie, in her experience of having birthed one of the Apprentice candidates uh, from 2016, can't believe that Jamie wouldn't be there for the birth, so obviously that's a big sort of target moment. Yeah, so do we think he does make it to the birth, or do we think, actually, they're tougher than they appear, and he's just going to be fine about it? Well, as we well know, he has to contact family at some point. Mm-hmm. That's a great excuse, as we said for Hunted US, there's a lot of people with their birthdays in the hunt period. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he at least tries to make it for the birth, whether he gets there on time is another story, but... I think it would be stupid. and Oh, it would be stupid. And, it, you know, his wife's saying it's fine. It's fine. Do it for the good of trying to win. Yeah, but as you well know, Michelle, when when women say they're fine, it doesn't necessarily mean they're telling the <laughs> truth. <laughs> Look, if, if I was put in that situation, I would say just go for it. Don't come. Because that's stupidity. You cannot tell me that you have not told your husband, yeah, it's fine, it's fine, I'm fine. <laughs> 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 Haven't all women used the fine word? Exactly. I know you're lying there. <laughs> Definitely. And, and let's face it, history tells us that he's likely to go for it. Yeah, he's going to go for it. Just A, to be audacious, because he evidently is from the Nick Cummings school of I want to like make an impression. Mm. But mm. also, it's a great excuse for him to actually fulfill his requirement to meet up with family. Yeah, yeah, he'll go for it. I, I've, I don't know. I did feel like he was going to get away with it, but then that's an awful lot of com- um, content to have gone through by the end of episode two. So, what I'll say is that if he does make it there for the birth, it's going to be a fantastic capture scene if they surround the hospital. Yeah, well, it's, it's a win either way. If he makes it to the hospital, he either gets away with it and that's awesome, or we'll see a brilliant capture. So, especially as they probably would be dragging him away from his wife who's just given birth and has a newborn in her arms to then oh, put no. him in the back of a black van. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'd wait till he's outside. There's a certain degree of entertainment. You know what I find annoying, though? You know, Sherlock now wants to catch him more. That if he doesn't go near the new baby, if he doesn't go to the birth, he wants to catch him more. And I'm thinking, yeah. why, Sherlock? Like, you don't know, does he have kids? No, as far as I know, he's still dating Danny off of Nick. Yeah, I think he is. And um, and then Julie wants to catch Jamie even more because he's just a police officer. And also because he is a taunty bastard. <laughs> yeah, so that's what we want. I know, I want another Lee and Hilma. Go yeah. for it. He is really, really taunty. I also love how I was pointing out that Sherlock always ends up running around in a black t-shirt and jeans has now become a hunted meme. Like, I've seen a lot of people commenting on this. <laughs> Mainly Mr. Wilson, but, like, I've seen quite a few people pointing out that Sherlock does love to do this at the end of a series now. Oh, yeah, that's his thing. It's a signature move. I reckon that's why Toddington and Julie got out in episode one, just to wind him up. Probably. So they can spend the rest of it going, well, not, not been out to do a capture yet. Well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> Sucks to be you, Sherlock. <laughs> Check us out. And now for the the slightly controversial bit of the episode, when Hunters Rich and Steve break into Jamie's house while Leslie is out. Yeah, of course they do. 
They're allowed to do this. That's yeah. the thing. They sign away. Everyone involved in the fugitives' lives basically signs the release to say that they're allowed to do this. And in fact, they've already done it in series one. Yeah, yeah, I remember them mm. jumping over the fence and breaking in. They got the masked guys to break into Lauren's house, was it? Yeah. So basically, if you're going on this show, you've got to be up for anything any law enforcement body has ever done to try and catch someone. Yeah. That's pretty much it. The introduction that we got to the powers that they can use is the Ricky Allen has Googled penis enlargement thing. <laughs> yeah. That's the moment where you sit back and go, ooh, okay, they're not messing around at all. <laughs> so, so if any police force has ever broken into someone's house and searched it, they can do it. And of course they have. They would have a warrant and stuff where we just accelerate things in Hunter. They take a bit of the procedure out. But yeah, of course they can break in and have a look. And also, let's be honest, they weren't breaking in. They used a credit card to open the patio door. Well, well, let's let's be honest. They, they got a key from Leslie and said, can you go out for a couple of hours while we do this scene? But, <laughs> you know... I don't think it was that obvious, but they, they jimmied the lock, if nothing else. Yeah, I would imagine there was an arrangement. And in breaking into his house, they find out that Jamie is quite um, meticulous with his record-keeping, shall we say. Yeah, apparently so. OCD. Yeah. He has a lot of commendations, which makes them even more scared of him. I love it. But also there's a notebook with some pages ripped out. Hmm. The old page impression thing, huh? For the love of God, anyone going on the run next time, take the notebook with you. Didn't he watch the American series? Clearly not. Well, we were discussing this last week because the American series went on all four the week of Hunted filming. Uh. Hunted started filming on the Sunday and it went on all four on the Monday. So they would have only seen it if they'd watched it with America like we did. Or if they listened to our podcasts, which they should have done. Duh. Also, on that subject, Majid loves a gif. He was sending me so many gifs on Twitter yesterday. He does love a gif. He is a bit of a gif meister. Every time I was sort of defending the integrity of Hunted, he was sending me, like, Drake preach gifs and things. <laughs> <laughs> I do like him. I like him a lot. I was really sad we didn't get to see any of him this week. And then we go back to Sandra and Mella, and we find out that Sandra was born in Uganda, and Mella was born in the Democratic Republic of Congo. And they both have a lot of Uber payments. Yeah, we, we find out loads about these girls this week, don't we? They use Uber, they're sporty. That's exactly why I think they're getting the Kirk and Jess treatment, because we got so much information on them. Oh, yeah, we know, we know all about their motivations and, and everything. <laughs> it's, it's such a flattering edit that we get backstory, shot of them being a bit stupid, backstory, another shot of them being a bit stupid. That's pretty much it for these guys. I'm trying to think who they reminded me of because they got so many sort of head on desk moments this week. Yeah, uh, they were they're, they're like they are the Taco Bell couple, aren't they? Of UK hunters. Oh they're, gosh, they're the, they're the trans. They really are. It, it's just I, I was I was lay there doing my notes last night in bed, just going, "What are you doing?" Yeah. Like, tell your brother to just zip it. I know he wants to be friendly, but shh, please. <laughs> he was pretty bad, wasn't he? He was pretty Oh, my bad. God. He was as bad as Leon Hilmar's drunk friend. <laughs> yes, he was probably worse. 
No, this is definitely not her phone number that I have in my pocket. The phone number that is hers, no, that's not hers, no, no. Oh, I don't know what it is. I don't know what I have in my pocket. (laughs) It's just a random series of numbers in my pocket. How did that get there? What? (laughs) (laughs) And did they take it or did they just take a copy of it? Because for them to be able to use it again, they wouldn't have taken the paper because they wouldn't have been able to make the phone call. He didn't make the phone call, though. I think he rang Grace. Mum. Yeah, it was Grace, wasn't it? Mum did it. Grace was like, bin that phone immediately. Yeah, this phone phone that I'm ringing you on right now. What? (laughs) Uh, And they're both city girls and have basically never, ever camped in their lives. Yep, good um, good pedigree for going on the run for 25 days, that is. Oh, I haven't camped. Yes, you have. You did 50... Four days, was it? 53 days on Australian Survivor? <laughs> sorry, sorry. Palm trees and all that stuff. You slept on bamboo for 53 days, Michelle. I'd be sad. You got a hold of Commodore out of it. Oh, it's no. not the end of the world for you. No, it's all right. Hey, back back to this. Can they? I didn't know they could go to Scotland. I thought they had to stay in England. No, no Ricky Allen went to Scotland. Yeah. Mainland, um, mainland UK, they can't cross the water. So they can't go to Ireland or the Isle of Man or the Isle of Wight or anything like that. But yeah, England, Scotland, Wales, fine. And also Scotland has such a, a divine legacy with hunting and people dobbing the fugitives in. <laughs> I think it was three different Scottish people last time, wasn't it? Yeah. With the duck from the depot. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not a good place to go on the run. And Sandra and Mella want a Thelma and Louise moment, driving off of a cliff. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah. Don't worry about it, you'll get your comeuppance, don't worry. Driving their time on the run completely off a cliff. Yes. <laughs> Why did they ring their mum in the first place? Don't they, have they never watched a show? I don't understand why people apply for shows if they've never seen it. I'm assuming it was to fulfil the you've got to contact home quota, but also they've never camped. They don't know what they're doing. They probably wanted a bit of emotional support. Mm. And yeah, HQ work out Sandra's uh, mum's mobile number, thanks to her call logs, and Zoe and Lucy get a chance to redeem themselves and have a chat with uh, with Grace. It seems lovely, actually. <laughs> <laughs> There's not much more to say about her, really. She seems very, very nice, and uh, she does her best, and then unfortunately mm. ends up geotagging them. By default, she became the worst liar of the episode until her son appeared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My God, his house. Why did they pan to that mess that was beside him? They couldn't have searched through that even if they tried. I know, it does seem a little bit unnecessary. He's like a bit part in the whole of the story. Oh, hang on. He's got a scruffy flat. Let's get a shot of that and make him look even more stupid. Hey. Good thing is, if you turn the camera the other way, you would have been able to see um, Aggie and Kim just trying to clean it up. <laughs> just telling him to go away, you adulterer. <laughs> I won't take this nonsense. And um, Zoe and Lucy find... Post hidden under a bed addressed to the mysterious Robert Moulet. And he won't turn up at all, given that his name keeps getting repeated over and over <laughs> again until he appears on the episode. Just to drum it in oh, just to drum it into us that he will appear and he will be a significant part of why they get caught. Yep. If you get a name check and you're not a close relative, you're going to give the game away. But it ended up he was a close relative. Well, yeah, that's true. We didn't realise that at the time, though, did we? And then back to Jamie again, because like, there's no one else in this episode. 
Uh, so HQ want to work out which hospital Leslie is going to give birth in, and he camped just outside of Manchester. They don't specify exactly where. I think they said he was going to Salford, which is at least a little bit further out. Mm-hmm. And he wants to head towards home to be there in time for the birth. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, we're all we're all thinking wonderful thoughts about that, aren't we? Sharp intake of breath, especially when he says, "Oh yeah, we've got a cesarean booked." So I have a specified date that I need to be home and that they definitely can't find out about that definitely won't be in the imprints in my notebook. But, no, she actually had written in there or he'd written in there to be picked up on the 2nd. That doesn't mean the caesarean's on the 2nd. It could be a week before then. They said it was. Then why is she being picked up the day of the caesarean? I think he might be being picked up. They've probably arranged for him to get to a meeting point and meet a friend to be there for the caesarean. Yeah, it, it it did look like they were his plans, weren't they? Right. That there was some friend okay. lined up to, to get him from somewhere on the second. And also, obviously, I'm the least qualified person in out of the three of us to talk about this, but would you really want to be there for a cesarean? Isn't it disgusting? <laughs> um, <laughs> I'd say it's probably <laughs> level. There's levels of disgusting, Michael, at that stage. It really doesn't matter. No, doesn't, you know what? I don't think cesarean is as disgusting as the other way. Yeah, I'm thinking about it. <laughs> Cutting a hole in the stomach and removing internal organs isn't as disgusting. <laughs> No, no, no. <laughs> I've been witnessed no. it twice. No, <laughs> the other way is much worse. Okay, <laughs> but seriously, why, why go on the run and do the show if you have to be at the birth? Because you're going to get caught. Yeah, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, you're also going to get selected for the show. Because they love it when you've got a significant date while you're on the run because it gives them something to pin you down on, doesn't it? Yeah, as we discussed for 100 US, when a lot of people have significant dates during the time on the run, it's likely that those people are going to get picked over people who are of a similar calibre but maybe don't have a reason for them to go home. Yeah, There's a tip, isn't it? There's a tip to get on the next 100. Uh, absolutely. Like, obviously, Lee and Helmar were going to get cast, but the fact that Lee's birthday was halfway through their time on the run got them over the top, especially. Especially as it coincided with Father's Day as well, so it's like, yep, we've got a pregnant wife whose sex of the baby we're going to find out while he's on the run, he's got his birthday, and also he's got Father's Day, so he's going to want to contact his kids. This guy's just golden. I think if we were to analyse it, we would find that there is a statistic significance of people with dates while they're on the run. Yeah, and also on that subject, congrats to um, to Uncle Johnny slash Hilmar for winning his fight last week. Yeah, yeah, unanimous verdict. I'm proud of you, Hilmar. Yay, go you. <laughs> and yeah, back to Jamie. So he gets a lift to the southwest. He managed to find someone in, in the Ramsbottom area who will ferry him all the way to the southwest. But he does need cash, so he goes to an ATM in Ramsbottom, which is one of the best town names in Britain and has a fantastic chocolate shop. <laughs> yeah, but he, he does it as as a move as oh, I'll take cash out here because that'll draw the hunters here. But he has no idea how close they are. Yeah, it was supremely stupid when like Nick and Danny are in an unmarked surveillance van eight minutes away. They are in Berry, which to be fair, confusing roads. It could be anywhere between about eight and eighty minutes. But you don't run that risk, especially no. when it's going to be a 10-minute walk or whatever to get back to yeah. the van. It's just unnecessarily risky. 
why on earth did he put the van so far away? Well, on the plus side, that's not necessarily a bad idea because then it makes it a lot harder for them to track how he's got away. There's a risk and a reward in it. Yeah, I just think it's too high risk. I, I, I think it's a mistake. I think it was too far away. And also, fun fact, Ramsbottom is where I had a toenail off. That's my legacy with Ramsbottom. What did you do? Stub your toe on a... a no, I, I suffer from ingrown toenails, so I've had to have <gasps> two uh, surgically removed. It was oh my so disgusting. God. <laughs> because the needles for toes are like comedy-sized needles. They're massive. Uh, yeah. Jesus. And uh, the the first one was at 11 years of age, could I find out? <laughs> Talking about births is one thing, but you've just crossed the line there. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Makes it even worse when I say that they put some stuff on it to, to stop it growing back. And yeah, it didn't. It grew back thick, green and brittle. Yeah. Doesn't hurt or anything. It just looked weird. You have a green turn now? Yeah, slightly. Just one. Which one would that be? Big left toe. I'm looking at my toenails right now, just imagining. <laughs> Put it this way, I could never have a pedicure. Oh, God. <laughs> Th- think about that when you're having your breakfast cereal tonight, Michelle. I know, you have to move on. <laughs> yeah, move on. Fine. Definitely not taking a picture for the group chat. <laughs> oh, imagine. I literally have just sent a, gr- a picture to the group chat. Um, oh, no. <laughs> oh, my God. A toe selfie. Might be my phone. Might be my phone. <laughs> Jesus! <laughs> oh, oh my God! Why can't you grow your toenails longer? Uh, because it doesn't grow. It just like digs in. It doesn't grow up. It grows in. You've got Hobbit feet. I have. <laughs> I've got hairy toes. <laughs> All right, I'm closing the photo of your toes now. Because contrary to popular belief, I am a cyclist, but I do not shave. So yeah, Nick and Danny are in a surveillance van in Berry and only about eight minutes away, so they actually weren't in the centre of Berry because Berry has very confusing roads. I've driven around Berry a lot. I've driven around Manchester a lot. Do you know once I was staying in Manchester trying to get to um, not Brighton? What's what's the um, beach area up there? Blackpool. It's where Anthony's favourite restaurant is. Yay. I must have gone around the Ring Road three times before I could get off. It was like. That European vacation with Chevy Chase in front of Buckingham Palace. They're just going around and around and around. It was like me on the Manchester Ring Roads. Ardwick is actually directly off one of the Ring Roads. Yeah, Jamie taunts them at the cash machine, loser. And Julie says that she wants to crush him, which is, you know, pleasant language. (laughs) I'm like, go Jamie, do something else. But also it's something that Jamie has taken and run. He posted a picture of his breakfast this morning and someone had written on it, uh, I want to crush him. (laughs) He was like, I can't even escape this, can I? Never. And Nick and Danny do see a man fitting Jamie's description, but obviously like every single ad break cliffhanger comes to nothing. And uh, they they start taking tips from CBS or something. It's just like, oh, cliffhanger comes to nothing. What a surprise. And also, someone in HQ says, oh, Ramsbottom doesn't have a train station, so he's going to be leaving by road. It's like, yes, it does. If he films at a certain time of year, he can get on the Santa special to Bury. That's how it works. <laughs> there is quite a famous train between Bury and Ramsbottom that is Christmassy themed and comes out at Christmas where kids can get presents and meet Father Christmas. 
and it's the only time that Ramsbottom train station is ever open anymore. <laughs> it's got a bit of a wait for that one, then. Yes, he does. And also, you'd have a bit of a wait even if you came in December. What time's the next train? Uh, December, mate. And we also find out that one of the instant triggers for the Hunters is ATM pings alongside uh, CCTV and phone logs. So, yeah, don't hit one of them up. No, bad move, too risky. I didn't want to get out £40, though. That's not very much. Well, we discussed this last week. I think we've pretty much confirmed that £40 is the max daily limit. Oh, for God's sake, it didn't used to be. I know, they've they've reduced it. We don't know how much they actually have in total, but it looks like they can only get 40 quid out at a time. So I'd assume it's, well, it's going to be a multiple of 40, isn't it? so it's probably about 200 quid they've got. Yeah, I'd, I'll go with that. So, that, yeah, yeah, 250. Two, two, yeah, must be 200, yeah. It's going to be about 200, because I think it was about, was it 250 they got last time? I thought it was around 400, but it could have been. No, I think it went from 400 to 250. Yes. yes. I think 400 was Series 1. Do they have to get it out, or can they give it to someone to get it out? Oh, they can give it to someone. I don't know if they can, because that seems really obvious, to just give your card to someone and say, go and get me some cash. I don't reckon they can. In the first series, they definitely could. Mm. Whether they still can is another story. We we need someone from Hunted to come on and join us, someone in production or something. Yeah. Yeah, because they are going to tell us absolutely everything, aren't they? Of course. Yeah, totally. (laughs) This is our official plea now. Can someone involved in production, preferably someone who knows the rules and can actually tell us the rules, actually come on and confirm it with us? Yeah, because we're on your side. We, We spend half our lives defending your rules, but we don't actually know what most of them are. Yeah, as I said to Majid on Twitter yesterday, dude, I've spent two series now just shouting myself hoarse about the rules of this show. It would be nice to get it in... I suppose black and white, but actually blue waves on Audacity, let's be honest. It would be nice to just get it in writing exactly what the rules are, so that I can just send this link to everyone and go, listen to this podcast if you actually want to know the rules, and quit bitching on Twitter. And, yeah, we go back to Sandra and Mella, and Grace's laptop has had a backdoor installed, and HQ can see everything, including the webcam. And let's be honest, it's Pretty dangerous if you find out that your laptop has got a backdoor installed on it and people can see your webcam. Let's just hope she wasn't doing anything filthy. Yeah, sticky tape over your webcam if you want to stay safe. That's what Zuckerberg does. Sticky tape over anything that you don't want to (laughs) get into trouble, but that will work. Oh, I saw it and I thought, oh my God, no, Mum, don't do anything bad. What are you doing? (laughs) But also, the best thing is, it doesn't seem like they could actually hear anything she's saying through the webcam. No, it didn't seem like it, unless they'd cut it on mute. Surely the whole point of doing something like that would be to actually be able to hear in her house as well? Yeah. That would be what I would assume. Yeah, you'd be able to bug it through the webcam, wouldn't you? Yeah. So it sort of is a bit pointless to me. I would imagine they just muted the audio because there was nothing, nothing worth broadcasting. And yeah, Sandra and Mella end up hitchhiking and getting coaches all the way up to Edinburgh, where Sandra's uncle lives. You know, keeping the family connection, making it nice and easy to trace. Yeah, <laughs> no, no one will ever figure out that you're visiting relatives. And then putting a plastic bag on your head to get in there. Oh, just two random girls with plastic bags over their heads. <laughs> Nothing to see here, yeah. move on, perfectly oh, for God's normal. sake, just walk in normally. Because you're not doing yourself any favours. And I know we're always saying you should 
you should take tips from previous contestants, but we didn't mean the YouTube video that I <laughs> met you put on last year. You, you don't need to be the bin bag girls. There were plenty of better tips to follow than sticking a bin bag over your head. The last person to put a bin bag over the head was the guy who cemented his head in a microwave a few weeks ago. And he was a professional moron. Uh, did you hear yeah. about that, Michelle? No, what did he do? There, there was a guy in Coventry, I think it was, was it, Ant? Somewhere like that. Who is a YouTuber, and he decided to put a plastic bag on his head, stick his head in an unplugged microwave, and get his friends to put polyfiller around it till he cemented his head in the microwave. Like you do. Why? The fire brigade got called out and basically told him to stop wasting their time and spent what the about hell? N- 90 minutes trying to get his get this moron's head out of a microwave. Oh, it's pathetic. For the views, man. Surprisingly, um, YouTube demonetized all of his videos for this. Yeah. Good. Teach you. Yeah, he's an idiot. But... If you're going to take tips from previous winners, take tips from Nick Cummings, the grey man. Blend in, for the love of God. Blend in. If you don't act suspicious, they will not find you suspicious. No one will report you. No. No. What's more suspicious? Two people just casually walking to their uncles, or two people with bin bags over their heads? And it's not just that. It's the fact that they did a lap of the building, saw the camera, went shit, 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 went back, and then thought, hmm, how can we blend in? I'm going to stick a bin bag on my head. Hadn't the cameras already seen them? Probably. Yeah. For Christ's sake. But at that stage, nobody cares until they see them reappear with bin bags on hats. Why do people go on these shows when they're obviously not all there? It's like very quiet housing estate in the outskirts of Edinburgh. Hmm. I'm not going to draw attention to myself. I'm just going to stick a bin bag on my head. Unless it is a student area, that is not normal behaviour. <laughs> Dear Lord. Uh, the only way they could have made themselves more obvious is find traffic cones to stick on their heads. Well, I think that would have been less obvious. That's less conspicuous. That would have been less obvious at, like, night time. That would have been fine. I've had random traffic cones carried with me late at night. <laughs> I bet you have, Michelle. <laughs> Not on my head, though. That's really gross. Why am I not surprised? (laughs) And, yeah, Sandra's uncle tells them that that Sandra's mum's house was ransacked, and they then ring her mum anyway, even though they know that her house is bugged, and give out the phone number quite loudly, just to reinforce the idea that they've never seen this show and they have no idea what they're doing. Well, I mean, so much, so much wrong. <laughs> don't ring her. She's clearly been compromised. Also, don't ring her. Then name someone else and tell them where that person needs to come from. And just just don't. I, I can't even. Just, just so really that, that, that line, she's been compromised. I'm sorry, the whole family's been compromised. <laughs> Everyone's compromised. It's just, oh, dear me. I'm beginning to think that they are the anti-Nick Cummings. <laughs> because they are doing literally everything wrong. When Nick was the grey man, they are the neon women. <laughs> yeah. They are just completely and utterly like drawing attention to themselves. 
It's just crazy. There was a couple of things I wanted to pick up on, though. Is, number one, are they allowed to ask people to bring them money? That seems a bit odd. I thought they could only use what uh, is in the account. Yeah, oh, I'm pretty certain that they're only allowed to use the cash that's in their account, so he can't come to Glasgow with sleeping bags and money. And also, was there really any need for that shot of the phone sticker with the number and the pin number and everything on it? Do we, do we really need to see that? Maybe it's one of those situations like in American sitcoms when they give out the number and there's a recorded message from the cast. Maybe there's a recorded message from Black's giving instructions or something. It wasn't the full number, though. There's two digits missing. Yeah, but you got a one in a hundred chance. Okay, good luck with that. I know I like to do my research, but nah. Come on, Ann. You need to do at least a thousand calls. You need yeah, to what... get over to Sandra and Mel as well. <laughs> I might ring them and get through to Art's voicemail and it'll cost me a thousand euros. <laughs> no spoilers, Michelle hasn't watched it yet. But it's <laughs> the, gr- the greatest opener of Dutch Mole I've ever seen. It was so, so, so good. It was spectacularly good. Just the moment where my jaw dropped at work on Monday. Yeah. I'm, I'm, uh, you know what? I was really glad that pretty much everyone I know, I know who watched it all had the same reaction. Because I, I, I had that reaction, and then I was like, oh, I'm the only one who didn't realise that was what was going on, aren't I? And, I? and if I say anything, everyone will go, well, duh, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to keep it vague, because Michelle is planning on watching it today for her. But, oh... My God. If you love Hunted, please, for the love of God, watch Dutch Mole. It's so, so good. <laughs> so good. And and also, if you're listening to this and you do want to watch it, it's actually on YouTube. You don't have to do anything dodgy. You just It's on YouTube with subtitles. There is a lovely lady in Holland who does this, and she is a star. And I'm so disappointed we can't cover it, given how good this opener was. <laughs> but please feel free to watch it and tweet us about it, because we'll... We'll we'll do it. We'll do a podcast by stealth over to, over Twitter. Yeah, if you, if you want to dis- discuss Dutch Mole, please do. Me and Ant especially love discussing Dutch Mole. And if you work out who it is, tell me please, because I want to win the suspect list this year. I don't care how I win it. I want to win. <laughs> Every year, Michelle, the quiz show site that I'm a friend of, friend of the bar, run a suspect list for Dutch. Dutch Mole. I think they might be doing it for Belgian Mole this year as well, though. They run a suspect list for Dutch Mole. Every year, I lose because of a bullshit rule. (laughs) Like, the first year I did it, I came dead last because I never twigged who the mole was until it was revealed, basically. It was quite spectacular how badly I did. The year after that, I got to top ten. The year after that, I got to top five. The year after that, I won, but then lost because of a stupid bonus rule. (laughs) That year they introduced bonus questions, so it's, yeah. you rank people from 1 to 10 if there's 10 people left. You always get 10 points if you get them all as your most suspected. But they added in a three-point bonus question each week, and I was winning by two points going into oh. the bonus questions. I got one bonus wrong, which was the first week. The person who won, and won last year's one as well, got a full house and won by one point because of that. And she used to work on the show. <laughs> oh, oh, no! That's that's disqualification, isn't it? Yeah, I, I'm still slightly livid. <laughs> <laughs> and it's then last year, last year I got top five despite never actually tweeting who the mole was until the last week. I'm trying desperately to win by any measure possible this year. I don't really care how. If someone can help cheat for me, I'll be happy with that. <laughs> 
I, I'm seriously considering I'm not happy going. With yeah, I don't want to cheat, but I am really thinking of going all in on someone after one episode, and because if I spread, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get in the top ten. So I, I might just go for it until they get eliminated, and then that'll be it. That's what I did last year with Diedrich. Ah, uh, okay. Anyway, that's a hundred, which was also a good episode, but you know, it's not on Dutch Bowl Open level this week, I'm afraid. So. In a panic, Sandra and Miller do head for the hills, and by the hills they mean Glasgow, and they say anyone could be a hunter, mm. which sort of explains why they seem to rotate the ground hunter teams every year. Uh, yeah, good point. And now for a brief section on Jamie again, because there's literally no one else in this episode. Sherlock gets forensics on Jamie's missing pages, revealing the plan for the birth, and the caesarean is booked for June the 2nd. And using Leslie's phone logs, they work out exactly what hospital she's going to as well. In other words, Jamie, you might as well hand yourself in now. Why would he even write down, I'm being picked up on the second? Why would you write that down? I mean, me, I just keep everything in my head. I just know in my head. The second, why would you write it down? More importantly, he's a former police officer. He dealt with espionage. Why is he leaving clues? Hmm... Maybe. I, just, I don't get the whole writing down thing. Unless he wants to get caught, what is he doing? Well, didn't didn't we speculate on the US one that maybe it was deliberate? And it wasn't in that case. Yeah, it wasn't. It was just stupidity. Wouldn't it be mm. great if this is all part of a plan and actually she isn't going to Dorchester Hospital on the 2nd at all? She's actually more pregnant than even they've said and actually she'll be she'll have the baby in her arms well before that and he'll be in, out and back on the run. Wouldn't that be good? Well, I think last week they did say that she was heavily pregnant. Mm. She didn't look that huge. No, but I mean... She didn't look that huge compared to some people. So I I was thinking, God, she could easily be only eight months. Depends whether the baby comes early as well. Not if they booked him for a caesarean. Well, it'd be unlikely if they booked him for a caesarean, wouldn't it? There'd, There'd be a reason. Why they've got a cesarean, but but wouldn't it be wouldn't it be great? I was five weeks early. Could I point out? Yeah, I was it, a massive baby. It happens, but you don't tend to book cesareans unless there's a reason why you think there's going to be an issue. And, well, it may not be. We are heavily speculating, but wouldn't that be amazing if if it was all a diversion tactic to take them to Dorchester on the second so that Jamie could be somewhere else, like the Nick Cummings Health Club idea? Yeah. That would be pretty cool. But having said that, didn't they say at the beginning they didn't have any chance to do any planning? Well, they said that they didn't have any chance to do a planning because they didn't know where it was starting. Mm, you would know you were going on the show. They can't suddenly do that. So, And Jamie gets the quote of the episode where he says, with all due respect, I'm in Tiverton. I don't want to be here. <laughs> and the bloke backs him up. No, neither do I, mate. It's <laughs> <laughs> the wife. The wife's making me here. That was great. I thought we got a lot of really sympathetic stuff for Jamie. I'm still going to be surprised if they do get caught. I think he's getting the edit where it's like mid series boot where we're like, oh, I really want him to win, but he doesn't. Mm. Like the Ricky Allen idea, yeah. basically. Yeah. Mm. It's awful. It is possible. I'd like to see him make it to the end. It's got a good story. I think kind of by default next week we have to see two teams or people get caught. Mm. Purely yes. because they, 
they can't open the episode with Sandra and Mella getting caught, which, let's be honest, it's probably going to happen, and then have the rest of the episode where no one gets caught. No. Because that's quite a weird structure. Uh, yeah. Okay. If you get what I mean. I think yeah, if yeah. they open the episode with a capture, they kind of have to do two in the episode. What if they don't open the episode with a capture? If they don't open the episode with a capture, I'll be quite surprised. Mm, okay. I have a theory. Okay. We'll get to that in a minute then. And Zoe and Lucy do find Robert Omule and discover that he's Sandra's brother. And he, for want of a better term, talks way too much. Yep. Yes. Loose lips sink ships. Even mm. I think that he's talking too much. And, you know, I would side with the hunters if there was money involved. They don't even offer him any. <laughs> they don't need to. I love the fact that at this stage they don't really know Sandra and Mella that well. And they go, which one do you know best? Well, my sister, obviously. Oh, wasn't supposed to tell him she was my sister. <laughs> but in a head-slapping moment, why has he got her number in his pocket? Oh, because he was told not to store it in his phone in case the hunters spotted it. At least his phone has a lock on it. I mean, he could at least write down, definitely not Sandra's number above it. That would throw him off the scent, surely. If you're going to have a note in your pocket, make it a funny one like F you hunters, you're not getting anything. Yeah. That's what I'd do. He's just an actual moron. We're just speechless. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> As we discussed last week, I lay there in bed making my notes, basically, and I was just lay there just going, what are you doing? Even I think that's stupid. Uh, it, it was just a catalogue of errors from, from them. The whole way. And after this episode, they deserve to get caught. They do. That's the kicker. And yeah, Sandra's mum then rings them and says, destroy everything immediately, you've been compromised. How good is that phone call? It was like something from a, a sci-fi thing. It, it just, she just sounded a bit like a robot. Destroy, destroy. Destroy that phone. And we get a bit of a head-slapping moment from HQ as well, because they've moved George and Karen out of Scotland, so then have to summon Nick and Danny. Yeah. Who are a long, long way away because the Scottish border is nowhere near Edinburgh. No, it's, well, it's about probably about an hour drive from Edinburgh, I guess. Yeah. I've only ever done it on the train, so. At least, at least an hour. And yeah, Sandra and Mella end up going to the traditional hunted location of a caravan park because we've never seen people get caught (laughs) because of a caravan park before. Yes. (laughs) Between the girls from last series and um, Jay and Siva trolling uh, trolling the hunters on Celebrity Hunted. Caravan Park's never a good legacy on Hunted. But here's the interesting thing. Blex hires a local ghost agent to keep an eye on them. Yes! Yeah. What is that? That's not fair. Interesting is what that is. Yeah. Yes. But also there's there's an interesting bit of background that I know on this. Okay. Here we go. Blex used to do that. Oh, that was a, that was a thing, was it, when he was a cop? Blex used to be an undercover cop. Mm-hmm. So Blex has a lot of experience in this area of the world. Mm. And you know how I know that, kids? Because in a Hunter tr- podcast tradition now, I've got Blex's book. Hey! <laughs> I downloaded it on Kindle last night out of interest and started reading it today, and it's amazing, and I've got some quotes in a minute. Oh, awesome. <laughs> <laughs> It's not the book that Blex was advertising on his Twitter yesterday. It's um, his sort of, here's my stories from when I used to be an undercover cop and dealing with loads of druggies. Oh, uh, right, because his new one came out yesterday. 
Yeah. He he has got a, a new one, but his his older one, which is only like two pound forty on Kindle, hence why I got it, has like loads of stories from his time as a undercover police officer. Yeah, cool. And there's some interesting quotes that I've picked out from the first couple of chapters. <laughs> I'm sure you have. And the girls aim to hitchhike to Kent, and Blex has a cracking idea to get the ghost to try and help them hitchhike, but mm. actually direct them towards the local service station, where Nick and Danny will be waiting to get their traditional one series capture. And the episode ends with the ghost offering his services to Sandra and Mella. And then or, getting in the car. Or does it? It looked like the same vehicle. I mean, how on earth would you get two vehicles that look the same? Well, here's the kicker, right? At what point have you seen the ghost agent getting in or out of a vehicle? Right, okay. You've seen a shot of a silver car. Yes. And you've seen a shot of a man inside a car. Yes. You then see another shot of a silver car. and you hear a, And you hear a voice, but you don't see who offers Correct. to give them a lift. Hmm. Interesting. I don't think that was him. And the reason I'm going to say that is that is so close to a capture. Why would you cliffhanger that when previously they've ended plenty of episodes on captures? Unless he takes them to the next place and the other car isn't there yet and they end up escaping. Yeah. Or to foster the queries from people like you. Yeah. (laughs) To make you second guess it. If they if they have, I'll mm-hmm. be delighted. But I am going to state my reputation and oh, say, God, hey, "Don't do this." <laughs> he's not. That is not the car of the ghost agent. Is this your podcasting reputation or your quizzing reputation? Because, <laughs> let's be honest; they're about the same level. Well, one of them's in tatters already. So <laughs> this is what I'm. I, I'm going to go out on a limb. I'm going to say that is not the car you think it is, and we'll see. We'll see what happens. Now I really want to see. Mm, it's exciting. If 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 either way, it's a brilliant ending because yeah, if, oh yeah, it's a cracking ending. If they've thrown me off the sand and actually they do get caught, great because it'll be really funny. Um, and if if it is a, a whole bluff and actually transpires, nah, don't think so. Then that would also be brilliant. But you don't ever see a shot of the, all three of them, so. It's a bit of a comedy capture if it if it happens. Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, Nick and Danny will be sat waiting for them. They'll probably be sat on the car bonnet or something, and <laughs> checking in on Facebook while they drive gradually up to them. It'd be brilliant if it, if they do get caught. But uh, yeah, I think they're going to get away with this one. Just going, fucking come on, come on. In their their catchphrase now that we keep perpetuating. Well, they do. So next time. Sandra and Miller are in a mysterious car. It was originally are in a car with a traitor, but, you know, you've put uh, some doubt in my mind now. Ooh. There are a whole lot of F-bombs. <laughs> Just a few. Dan turns out to be a Freemason. Mm. And Jamie is in the undergrowth. Yeah. So, obviously, you, you were going to say next week Sandra and Miller get caught, but what do you think is going to happen next week? Well, I'm going to ask you a different question that I forgot to ask last week. Do you want to know what the press release for next week is? Oh yeah, we didn't do that, did we, last week? We didn't do the episode description, no. No, and I've not looked it up. Will Sandra and Mello realise that they've hitched a lift with an undercover ghost agent? <laughs> Ex-cop Jamie arranges a secret rendezvous with his he- heavily pregnant wife. Episode 3 of 6. Ooh. So that answers your question, Ant. Your reputation's in tatters. Not necessarily. Will they realise it with a ghost agent? No, they won't, because they're not. Oh. <laughs> 
Okay, I could be wrong, but if if I am, then you should they should have done that. But it's it's just odd editing. Yeah, I think Sandra and Mel are definitely maybe Jamie. Although I'm thinking that Jamie might be the next episode. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't want him to go. Could to go. be. That's interesting that, that that's all that's mentioned in the synopsis because I know for a fact that Brothers of Swing will be featured next week. So that could be interesting. With the Dan is a Freemason thing, that's kind of implied. Yeah, no, I mean, like, heavily featured. Oh, interesting. Because, you know, I still know something about them as well. <laughs> Jeez. You listened to last week's podcast, didn't you, Michelle? Yes. I'm itching to say stuff that I know from when it was filming. <laughs> I have some stuff that I've saved from when they were filming oh, that I'm, okay. I'm sitting on until it airs. <laughs> oh, all right. <laughs> Joe and Dan do do something. They get up to a little trouble. Do they do something Lee and Hill Marish? Yes. Yay! <laughs> Good. Yay! <laughs> well, I, I think we'll see the uh, the beginnings of that next week, then, because I think that's where it gets interesting for them. I think whereas Sherlock and Julie seem to hate Jamie, Blex hates Joe and Dan. Mm. <laughs> So much hatred. And please don't look at the Hunted YouTube channel, because I think the stuff I'm talking about is still up there. I won't. I won't. So what do you think is going to happen, Michelle, since you're being quite quiet on your predictions? Uh, I really want Jamie to get to the end, but you're you're putting a dampener on that, totally. <laughs> I just can't see him doing it. Sandra and Mel are gone. They're not getting anywhere. I don't see Alex and Bob getting to the end either. Hmm. I think it's going to be Majid and, well, look, if you said the guys do something spectacular, maybe they do have the brains to get to the end. I can't remember at what point in the hunt that appears, but I think it's reasonably early on. I don't think it's late. I haven't got much from late in the series. It's all sort of 10 days in-ish, I think, most of the stuff I've got. So who do we think is making it to the end, then? Because this time last year, or last time, we were pretty, pretty close to knowing. Yeah, yeah. We, we knew Nick for certain. We haven't seen the the lads enough. No, and, that, and that's that's the thing, isn't it? Is is previously, if you're making it to the end, you get something in every single episode. I think that it's going to be one of Bob and Alex. I don't think it'll be both. Yeah. We're still getting the implication that they're going to split at some point and maybe Bob's going to fall on his sword for his son. Mm-hmm. Why are you saying that? Where are you saying that? Because we got so much of them last week. Bob's entire story is, I don't want to do this. I'm doing this for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that just twigs something in my mind that says he might fall on his sword for his son if the going gets tough, basically. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I said last week that we would know by midway through this episode what was happening with the Bob and Alex story, and they didn't get caught. That, for me, so much story in episode one and not getting caught straight after, I think they're going a long way. Yeah, I think it's going to be one of Bob and Alex, and maybe Joe and Dan, depending on how next week goes. Yeah, yeah, basically, I don't know. I'm in two minds with Jamie. I think I think there's a, there is a, a good chance that he will make it. I can't see Jamie making it. That's the thing. I think we've got too much of him, and we can kind of guess how he's going to get caught. Oh, God. We've never had that that thought from any winner of, I know exactly how you're going to get caught if you get caught. Yeah, that's true. That's Whereas true. Jamie, we really know how he'll get caught if he gets caught. Mm. Mm. Apart from with the Nick decoy. 
even then, we didn't really believe that Nick was going to get caught like that. We we knew it was going to be a trick as soon as it was floated. Mm. Maybe they just got better. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. But yeah, Joe and Dan just felt like preseason. They just gave me winner vibes. They're not exactly going overboard about it on their social media, and given that you know their job is to be self-publicists, basically, that to me is quite a positive indicator. You'd be bigging it up a bit if you if you didn't win. You know, the only reason to not make a big deal out of it is because, you know, in six weeks' time, you can make as big a deal out of it as you like. Having said that, we'd made a massive deal of winning on the code, and spoilers, we didn't. Mm, that's true. We can't really say that we were subtle with it when we hid over 100 clues in the <laughs> podcast. Mm. That's what I mean. That's, what, that's exactly what I'm saying. Had we won, I think we would have played, would have downplayed it a bit. And when I literally put in Michelle's Christmas card a message about it... <laughs> <laughs> I hope you can crack the code of having a good 2017, I think is what it said. Brilliant. As you can tell, Michelle, I had far, far too much fun like sneaking this past you. And a little reading from Blex's book, I think, to, to end with, because there's a cracking quote in a description of it. He once made love all night to a cocaine-addicted aerobics instructor as he pursued a leading envoy suspected of smuggling huge amounts of cocaine into Britain in his diplomatic bags. <laughs> it's diplomatic bags a euphemism. <laughs> And then a wonderful part of a story to end us with. Blex was part of a like nine, ten month sting on a massive drug ring that spanned six countries, I think it was, on a ship known as the Poseidon. Did he have an adventure? I think the chapters called something like the Poseidon Misadventure or something. <laughs> he leaned hard into this. Nobody aboard Poseidon had offered physical resistance to the hard bastards of the SBS as they swung aboard down the helicopter winches. No one, that is, except a former French paratrooper known as Gilbert Altazan who grabbed the helm as the Navy attacked. Artisan fancied he was smart enough to outrun the British Navy. The SBS lad saved a little surprise for the swashbuckling Artisan. He was the last to be winched from the Poseidon's deck, and his adventures of a lifetime was about to begin. He was fitted with a rescue harness, winched to 100 feet, and then taken on a gut-churning, vomit-inducing whirlwind spin over the roaring Atlantic waves in pitch darkness to teach him a lesson. Don't mess with the Navy. It must have petrified the poor sod. It's a funny thing, but after Artisan was brought back to England with his cronies, he'd acquired the utmost respect for the Navy and the SBS. <laughs> I bet he did find a newfound respect. After a weekend with me, he was singing like a canary. <laughs> <laughs> and Blex, that is your prerequisite impression. Right at the end. <laughs> You're welcome. I loved Blex's response to our impressions. <laughs> I am slightly scared of Peter Blexley. Yeah. So when those tweets were coming through a few days ago, I was like, oh no, Matt is actually <laughs> deliberately trying to get Blex to hear my terrible impression of him. You know what would be funny? If you like read a kid's book in his voice. <laughs> You're on. A nursery rhyme in okay. his voice. It's scary. That, that, can be my that can be my penance, right? So if I'm wrong about Sandra Mella, I will read a, a children's story in, in Blex's voice. All right. Michelle? Yes? No comment is all I have to say. That may be a plot point in this series. Really? Yes. No way! Blex ends up reading a bedtime story. No way! <laughs> That's an exclusive, uh, exclusive oh reveal. It is God. on YouTube, and it's amazing. And there's a, a second bit to that that I'm not spoiling. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. But let's just say Blex ends up reading someone a bedtime story. Marvellous. <laughs> and on that bombshell I think we should finish up because it's like 10 past 11 for me and Anne and Michelle's actually got a, a, a day to go about before she comes back at the same time tomorrow and joins me for Amazing Race yay! 
So, thank you for listening to this Hunted podcast. You can join us next weekend to recap episode three. If you've got any questions, feel free to contact us on our Facebook page, Reality TV Warriors, on our Twitter account, RTV Warriors, or our own Twitter pages, MJ Harmstone for me, Bulls Boy for Anthony, and Bear 3333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333333